the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be, the, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow. How'd you like to start your morning like that? I can see the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. For all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. What an amazing blessing it is for us that you have joined us today for the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are celebrating the most wonderful time of the year as Pastor Keith brings us a series of Christmas messages. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for the Christmas season, Lord, where we commemorate the coming of the Savior, the incarnation, Lord, the advent, where God became man and dwelt among us to rescue us from our sin, to give us life eternal, healing hope and redemption. And so we thank you, Lord, for this season. Help us never to lose sight of it year-round. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message is The Cast of Christmas, A Young Girl's Courageous Faith. It's subtitled The Magnificat. When When you look at this series we're doing on the cast of Christmas, It's an incredible cast. What a cast of characters. You have angels. You have kings. You have magi. You have shepherds. You have common everyday people. And even a a little teenage girl or young woman, Mary. Today's cast member that we're going to look at is Mary. We'll be talking about the Magnificat, and I'll get into that in a moment or two. Think of this as Act 1 in the Christmas story. Uh, which is part of God's unfolding drama of redemption. And today we're going to focus on Mary's faith, her courageous faith. 
And when you think about it, her faith, her trust in God, her willingness to answer the call, as it were, was no small thing. I mean, think of her age. We believe she was between the ages of 14 and 18. Think of her place in the culture. A young woman, not, uh, not famous, anonymous, of the house of David, and she was going to marry a carpenter from the house of David who also was anonymous. But in that time in the history of Israel, there was a pretender on the throne, Herod. He was a Eudemian. He wasn't even a Jew. And they were under Roman domination. And the chances of her doing anything great, humanly speaking, were zero and zero. But it reminds me of how God is able to do great things through common everyday people if they'll make themselves available, if they'll answer his call. And Mary's testimony, Mary's statement of faith, which is the Magnificat, really demonstrates that. And you know what it also does? It brings to mind a passage that sort of is the uh, running in the background through this whole uh, account. A passage, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. And I just want to read that to set the mood for the message. And listen to this. Listen to what it says and think about how it plays into today's message in Luke's gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31 says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring into th- to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I think of this passage relative to the accounts in the gospel of Mary's calling, why is that? Well, I kind of said it before. She's a teenage girl. She's poorly positioned in the house of David because there's a pretender on the throne and he tolerated no one who could threaten him. And yet God chose her, this young woman, this little girl, despite her weakness, because of her weakness, despite her sin, to be the channel, the means through whom the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God incarnate, would enter the time, space, matter, energy continuum that we call this universe. And so with this in mind, let's turn our Bibles to Luke one We'll start there for context and background to set up the Magnificat. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 We read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The word favored there is the word grace. Greetings, recipient of grace. Greetings, recipient of unmerited favor. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting 
this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, you have found grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be, the, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow. How'd you like to start your morning like that? What a greeting. I mean, I'm sure Mary had questions. And I'm sure that you or I, in her place, would probably have doubts, fears even. And scripture reveals her surprise in verse 29. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what manner of greeting this might be. But you know what I'm struck by in this is surprise does not equal doubt, as we'll soon see. Her reaction as a young woman, as a young child, was very different than, than Zachariah's reaction when he was serving in the temple and the same angel appeared to him and told him that he and his wife and their later years here would bear a child and he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He was struck mute for doubting for expressing doubt of that prophecy. Mary expresses no such doubt amazingly. This young woman only had one question and it's recorded in scripture and amazingly, it's a matter of logistics. What is it? Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Well, that's a reasonable question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And you know what? Ask and you shall receive He gives her the answer. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For because nothing is impossible with God. You know, I just look at the grace of God even here. And answering her question, the angel reassures her. What does he say to her? He tells her about Elizabeth, who was well past childbearing years, who had been barren. He tells her about Elizabeth's pregnancy. She's already six months pregnant. Nothing's impossible with God, Mary. Don't worry about how this is going to happen because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for God. And this is a lesson for all of us. So, in the, but let me ask you a question. In these circumstances, what would you have said? I mean, what would I have said? And Mary's response in verse 38 is incredible. What does she say? What does this young woman say? And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you imagine? I mean, here through divine intervention, the life that you had planned, the plans that you made, are turned upside down by an angelic experience. A word from God. Life as you once knew it is about to end. Or at minimum, be severely rearranged. And I'm sure it had to be overwhelming And you have to wonder, how did she process all of this? What went through her head? What would I have done? 
particularly here in the 21st century. But her answer is telling in so many ways. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Next, Mary goes to meet Elizabeth. She travels to meet her. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. She sees Mary. She hears her voice. And she says, blessed are you among women. What, how is it that the, Lord, that the mother of my Lord has come to me? And we're told that she said to Mary, when the baby within me heard your voice, he leapt for joy. And all of that had a profound impact on Mary. I'm sure it comforted her. I'm sure it reassured her. In Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, our passage today, Mary, Mary responds to Elizabeth's blessing and what is now commonly called the Magnificat. Uh, some Bibles call it the Song of Mary, although there's no indication she sang it. And, yeah, and some of you may be saying, well, what is the Magnificat? Well, the Magnificat is a poem of praise that Mary says. I would also tell you it's her statement of faith. And I would also tell you, to one degree or another, it should be our statement of faith. And as she speaks these words, these beautiful, glorious words, she reveals a lot about her own faith. And we also learn a lot about her God and our God, her Savior and our Savior. It is a little girl's prayer, a young woman's song of praise, and in it we find an example of courageous faith that we should learn from. Listen to as I read it, and you can follow it in your Bibles or up on the screen. I want you to listen to what she has to say. Hearing all this news, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices or exalts in God my Savior, because he has looked on the humble estate of his servant." For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, the mighty God, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And now she starts reciting a litany of all the things God has done in the past. And scholars believe that some of this refers to the Exodus and Pharaoh and the children of Israel. For he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You know, when Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Recognize that what we have here is a celebration and commemoration of God's remembrance of his people. His faithfulness to his covenant, his trustworthiness. And I think as we listen to what she says and we read it and we turn it over in our minds and our hearts, we can learn a lot from her statement of faith. We can learn a lot from her courageous faith. And so today what I'd like to do with you is to derive and distill three lessons that you and I can learn from Mary's example of courageous faith so that when God calls us, and he's got a call in all of our lives, we can fulfill that calling. We can respond yes. We can respond in confidence 
and serve him accordingly wherever you are under whatever circumstances his call comes where God finds you. And lesson number one is this. Everyone, everyone needs a savior. Even Mary. Why do we know this? How do we know this? Well, Luke 1, 46 through 48. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. You know, today in the 21st century, in our context, we often look back at the people in the Bible. We forget that these are not, or we act as if they are, fictional accounts. But these are true stories of real people. Real people like you and me with all their foibles and weaknesses and sin. And sometimes we act like they're supermen or superwomen. But we see that God uses the weak things of this world. And even as you've read it before in James, right? Elijah had a nature like ours. Mary had a nature like ours. She was a sinner saved by grace. She was no superwoman. She wasn't capable in her own strength of doing what God had called her to do in her own power. He didn't choose her because he was, she was worthy. He didn't choose her because she was special. You know, hail favored one. Hail recipient of grace. Hail recipient of God's unmerited favor. The Lord is with you. You found grace in the sight of the Lord. And so, Mary answers the call. And in so doing, reminds us that everybody needs a savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And she's received that gift. How do we know that? How do we know she's a sinner saved by grace? Because she says so. Look at verses 47 and 48. And my spirit rejoices in God my savior because he looked on the humble estate of his servant. She calls God her savior. She refers to her humble estate. She needed rescue just like you and me. She was in a jam, a young girl without special powers or privilege. Which brings us back to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. For consider your calling. Consider our calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So just like you, just like me, Mary was a sinner, unworthy of God. And yet God, through his grace, used her to bring into our world the Messiah, God in the flesh. The Magnificat is her testimony, her witness, her statement of faith, her example to us of a courageous faith. And this is God's message to you. He can use anybody, anywhere, whether it's a young girl, a young woman like Mary, or two senior citizens beyond their childbearing years like Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, or a sinner like me, or sinners like you. And that's why we need to look at this and learn and understand that everyone needs a savior. And our having been a sinner does not make us useless to God. It makes us useful. 
And so Mary found her Savior. She found grace in the sight of the Lord. And so can you. The question is, is have you? Because God stands ready to forgive everyone, everywhere, of every sin they've committed and to use them for great things if they would receive that gift on his terms, if they would surrender their will to his. The question is, if you haven't already, will you surrender? Will you accept his gift of grace? Do you want to be blessed or called blessed? Then act on his offer of eternal life while you can. Experience forgiveness so that you may discover and fulfill your purpose, God's purpose and plan for your life, which is far greater than anything you had planned. Which brings us to lesson two. Inasmuch as everybody needed a savior, we need to realize that no one is up to the task. Recognize that serving God is a privilege, not a right. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's like your salvation. It's a gift. It's a blessing that some accept. And sadly, it's a missed opportunity because some reject it. They choose not to serve. But serving him is a privilege and it should be desired more than much gold, much fine gold. Where do we see this idea that it's a privilege, that it's undeserved? Look with me at Luke 1.48. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary gets this. She understands her low estate, that she needed a savior, that God is her savior. And she looks at this call on her life, which is going to upend every plan she or her parents or her betrothed, her husband-to-be and his family and anybody else ever had for her. And what does she say? From now on, all generations will call me blessed because of what God has done for me, because of the grace that I have received, the unmerited favor, because of the privilege that God has afforded me. Mary trusted her God. She did. She had. She trusted him to save her and she trusts him now to preserve her and bring to pass what he has promised because she understands that nothing is impossible with God. She trusts him to to fulfill this privileged role through her to empower her, to make her able to do great things. Therefore, she counted it a blessed privilege to serve the mighty God who was doing great things for her. You see that in verses 48 and 49. All generations will call me blessed because of what God has done. Not because of what I've done, because of what God has done for me and through me. And realizing her place, the role afforded her, the privilege afforded her, she responds appropriately. And her response is in verse 38. Hearing that she's going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit in her age and her time, seemingly out of wedlock, what is her answer? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Now once again, as you and I sit here in the 21st century, as sophisticated as we all think we are these days, We take so much for granted. We say, well, yeah, yeah, she could do that. I I couldn't do that. I mean, come on. Angels appeared to her. And they appeared to Joseph too. They patched things up between them. Life back then was more simpler. Life today is much more chaotic. She didn't have to worry about her career, her place in society, the culture. It wasn't as hard back then. Think again. 
Because serving God then and there and here and now is always a privilege, yes, but it's also costly and it brings with it, more often than not, peril of some kind. And in her case, great, great peril. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.